and we are live. Thank you, Labyrinth. Hi. <laughs> nice to meet you. Um, just yeah. for those listening at home right now, just to put a bit of context behind how we sort of got to know each other, we met each other via Reddit. Um, That's right, yeah. Would you like to talk a little bit about the subreddit that we are part of? Yeah, so basically it's the ADHD UK Reddit, though it's not associated with the charity of the same name, but they kindly let's have the name. So, yeah, that's nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's basically, it's, um, it came as like a response to the fact that like, one of the main ADHD Reddits, it was very American centric. And obviously how we work over here is quite different in quite a lot of areas. Like, I remember posting on there and it would be like, there are people talking to me about copay or like, you know, insurance providers and stuff. And it was like, it very quickly became apparent that like we needed a new place to talk about our specific struggles um so yeah so our, our founder took over the reddit from who the person who had the the name of it last and then we have slowly been growing it over the course of about a year and i think it's become one of one of the biggest adhd support groups in terms of like growth over that year so we have over eight thousand members we have like thousands and thousands of views a week all this kind of stuff so we, we're, we're getting fairly chunky yeah um, but yeah mainly we're just here to try and help people navigate the diagnostic well, labyrinth that is the uh, nhs and offer support and if people you know screaming into the void shout back like you know stuff like that yeah really. yeah and um i can definitely relate so that's effectively why i built this platform of my own um I think originally it kind of started off as a sort of personal blog. So very much all about me, a bit of an echo chamber in that sense and a bit of, <laughs> bit of catharsis. But then obviously a realizing being late diagnosis, I thought mm. obviously there's going to be, or there should, well, say obviously, um, there's most likely going to be a lot of people just like me that I'm probably not even aware of. So yeah. the way I started to kind of retrofit my experiences was to then to kind of form that into if you're going through something similar, just know you're not alone. This is what I've been doing to cope uh, and kind of developing yeah. that into its own strategy, really. So less about, because yeah. again, I did not enter into this as a business. This is really about a community sense of the words. And that's mm -hmm. why I obviously joined the subreddit in the first place. That's that sense of community that I've been looking for. Um, and obviously that's why I'm, I'm building the one that I'm building. So yeah. fully relate to that idea. Yeah, that's good. So moving I guess more into the personal lives for the moment here. So tell me a little bit about yourself and how you came to be diagnosed, basically. Wow. Okay. So at the moment, I am a one well, of a second year psychology student now. Um, I how did I become to diagnose? So it's like so basically, I spent years um, drifting through the mental health system, uh, being sent for like, endless rounds of CBT, or it felt like it anyway. Um, I was mistreated in the mental health system very severely. Mm -hmm. um, I've been misdiagnosed with disorders ranging from things like, you know, borderline personality disorder, which I think so many people get that. It's, oh, I could do, yeah. I could do a thing just on that. But I've also been called, you know, histrionic, which is where you're like very dramatic, you know, kind of attention seeking. I got that a fair bit as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm officially, technically, if you go back in my notes far enough, Munchausen's, <laughs> if you can believe that. I'm not, but Oof. I've been diagnosed as that. Like that, that's horrific because that means that nothing you go, ever go to a doctor with ever again is true and real. Nothing, including physical issues, by the way. Yeah. It doesn't just affect your mental health. So 
I was trying to work out why I couldn't do normal things, such as normal, such as, you know, get and hold down a job. So um, because they believed that I was making things up a lot of the time or as being dramatic and all this kind of things, like I couldn't ever get real help. Um, but like many people these days, I worked out that I wasn't just like a fundamentally broken human being or something, but that I had ADHD and I had worked out by Ramin like pretty much I think everyone's doing right now. Mm. Mine was the ADHD iceberg. I don't know if you know that one. Where it's like no, not like, personally, no. Okay, so you've got like what you can see about ADHD on top where it's like, you know, a certain, a certain thing. They're not okay. the it's like all of this stuff. And I was like, oh, wow, that's me. Um, so right. just to stop there for a moment, because I think uh, you've, you've touched on a really important point, uh, particularly with internet culture and how more people are, I guess, becoming more self-aware about themselves mm. and, and kind of encouraging themselves to get diagnosed. Um, so memes, I think, is is one thing, but I think I'm hearing particularly a lot of stories that people are coming off TikTok, Instagram. Mm. Uh, I mean, my, myself, I think I was going through Instagram Reels when, yeah, and uh, I can't think back to whether or not it was more of an algorithm thing where I was already actively searching for um, sort of answers already, or it was by chance because. I mean, quite honestly, up until the point I was looking at diagnosis, I'd never really had heard of ADHD. Uh, as yeah. ridiculous as that might sound to some, I think, no. honestly, it just wasn't in the psyche at all. No, I thought it was anything else. I never, ever, ever thought ADHD because I knew someone with ADHD when I was growing up and he had hyperactive type ADHD. And um, uh, he would basically, his favourite thing, because this was like in the 90s as well, his favorite thing was like basically doing things that you'd see on jackass so like jumping <laughs> off of really tall stuff getting in a yeah. trolley bombing down the hill like you know and so i thought oh that's adhd and my friend was very adhd so i never thought i was adhd because we were you know chalk and cheese basically mm. like he was one way i was completely different Gosh. so i just thought that you know what i mean so yeah yeah, yeah. sure i mean i'm how much, I'm not sure how much of a fan of Jackass you are if you're really into that world, but I mean, if you've ever watched CKY, the, the ones that I think Bam Margera did before Jackass, if you watch yeah. the cuts of those, I mean, as a stereotype of ADHD goes, the way it's cut and edited is very much in that kind of manner. Um, I think yeah. Bam, Bam might actually be diagnosed as ADHD. I know I he, he says surprised. ADD, but I think technically speaking now, it's not, at least in the UK, I know that they don't use ADD as a yeah it's a form now is it it's yeah that's like an old diagnostic term so it used to be like add and all that kind of stuff but the the term changes every like i don't know 50 years or something it used to be what was it like hyperkinetic something disorder i don't quite remember but it used to it's had all sorts of different names over the years i know and um this has been a bit of a learning journey for myself really because there's been lots of things that have been thrown at me terms and and different like the history of it all more so than what I'd realised, like the word titrating or titrating. I, yeah. That's a, that's a phrase that is used so commonly that I just had no awareness of, even after diagnosis. No. Yeah, like when, when I got diagnosed, psychiatrist, he was so like laissez-faire, like, okay, well, we'll begin yeah. your titration. And I was like, um, my, yes, it, is that the thing with the medication? And he's like, yes. I'm like, yes, uh-huh. that, that, yeah. that please, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly the same. And I think my... The, the guy that I guess put me through all that all assessment, we had those chats at the time. He was kind of the same. I always remember his attitude. It's a bit like, so basically, it's a bit like this, and you're gonna do this, and you're gonna take this. You might feel a certain way. It's fine. Don't worry. It's cool. I'm just like, okay. 
yeah yeah the whole experience is really strange um just to preface as well obviously i was privately diagnosed myself um not nhs which mm-hmm. I, I, in terms of formality I, I, maybe people in private aren't as official and formal in that way i don't know <laughs> but um, yeah I, I i think you are like it's more just um the problem with it is it's not it's not a problem i don't think anyway but the nhs sees it as a problem is that because and we'll get onto this later but sure. it's, it does tie into stuff like panorama and the media it does is that yeah. because of that program it's really i think delegitimized how people in the nhs view private and contracted diagnosis so i am obviously i'm right to choose um Mm. someone on reddit told me about right to choose before all of this stuff like you know moderating and all that ever so that person probably saved my life which is kind of what inspired me to do that for other people so if that woman had never told me by the way you can look into right to choose i don't think i'd have ever been diagnosed because the wait is five years in my area so Uh, five years five five years yeah oh gosh i think i was told at the time two years and then when it hit the two-year mark it then got pushed to three um, which yeah. is then kind of at that frustration point of, oh, screw this. I'm just going to do it privately. I, you know, I don't care anymore. Now, obviously, I, I mentioned the guy's attitude. That's not to say that the, the uh, assessment wasn't thorough because it was. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think, again, uh, the attitude, I, I suppose, really came on because I think basically he basically asked me to tell me my life story and why I feel like I've got it, right? So. Yeah. With tears in my eyes, I'm literally telling him all these different details about, you know, particularly inattentiveness, um, more f- externalized yeah. hyperactivity, particularly when I was a kid. I was very much like the Tasmanian devil type. So I was bouncing off the walls. <laughs> um, I'd say it's probably more internalized now where it's kind of more up here. I mean, I do fidget, um, but that's probably yeah, as like, hyper as it gets. I'm like sat here like, yes, I'm sitting very still. I'm really not. Like my legs are uh, going, Yeah, ah! I'm not. And I know if you notice behind <laughs> me, I'm literally like rocking my chair. I'm, you know, I do do this a lot. Um, yeah. So in that sense, yes. But I think as a child, it was probably the more stereotypical how people envision hyperactivity kind of way where, yeah, I get that. Uh, yeah like a Labrador on crack or something. I don't know. It's just <laughs> something crazy like that. And um, yeah, I think when I was explaining all those to my doctor, I think he kind of cut me off effectively when I was 10 minutes in. He said, look, look, you've got it clearly. Um, Let me explain to you why. (laughs) And then he went into all the detail. But at that point, that's when the kind of conversation became more like friends rather than doctor and patient. Um, Which if I can sort of talk in positive feedback about the private assessment here is that for that reason really it kind of developed that relationship where i was comfortable enough to share those details now i'm not saying this is the case for people but i can imagine in a very formal setting where it is very official suit and tie feeling it can sometimes almost be difficult to communicate those so like one of the things that i experienced recently actually this for me was like the real stark difference between it is that in my effectively it isn't private but it may it may as well be in a sense um right to choose assessment the guy was so compassionate and so gentle and understanding about everything I've been through, including all the stuff with doctors. Normally, if I tell doctors about stuff that doctors have done, essentially, it goes really horribly wrong for me. It's really I can imagine. Not a good, yeah. It's bad because they defend not only the profession, but their fellow doctors <clears> and they get all like weird about it. He was just nice, like really kind and compassionate. But then and there was a point, um, in, there's been a point in my journey where I realized that um there was a point at which the medication like just sort of stopped working for me. Yeah. And I worked out that that reason was probably, but I wasn't sure that I might actually have autism. And I was like, oh my goodness. 
I had an assessment for that because I'd waited ages for that. And that mm-hmm. was done by more like a like an NHS style, and that was really harsh. Like, oh my god. Yeah. That was savage, honestly. She was brutal. And I'm just like, they were like talking to me in like these weird like, you know, cutesy baby voices to me and stuff at various points in it. And I'm like, what are you doing? I'm thinking myself, uh, again, like, I think so almost strange. catering to the stereotypical how people might perceive an autistic person yeah and, and that, I, yeah I, yeah exactly so like you know it's the same with like um adhd and stuff especially if you don't fit whatever that particular you know stereotype is in the moment i've been told i'm too articulate basically to be autistic or adhd and i'm like that's such a weird thing to say it's a very to ignorant thing like, to say too actually yeah i, I, like, I would what, say yeah, are you telling me that people with these disorders can't effectively be, you know, verbally intelligent? Absolutely, for yeah. You know, no. what is it you're telling me here? So I just, yeah. Gosh, there's a lot of things <laughs> to unpack there. First thing I'm going to think, I think I'm going to contradict myself a little bit here and say it's probably less to do with NHS and private, but more on the individual you're dealing with. I think, it, you I know, agree. I, to, a, to a degree. Um, secondly, I think from what, the way I'm feeling, particularly like you, you described that story about sort of doctors, if you speak to them about bad experiences about other doctors, they either come to their defense. It kind of feels like a little bit of sort of tribalism in that sort of way. Um, and I think we'll touch on this a bit more later on, particularly with the whole, you know, private VNHS uh, type situation. Yeah. Because when I've been reading about this in my own time, it does strike me a little bit of that too. Um, and on a whole other subject alone, particularly during like the lockdown periods when there were a lot of hot debates surrounding anti-lockdown, no lockdown, etc. Yeah. Um, and any kind of criticism towards the way it's being handled is is automatically an attack on the NHS. And the NHS yeah. is this gang of people that you just simply can't criticise. Um, yeah, it's like, no, I, I, I am like everybody else in the sense that, you know, I am massively, of course, I am massively in favour of socialised healthcare. Of course, I am massively in favour of people not being worked to death who are there keeping us alive. Like, why wouldn't I be, you know? Sure. But she does have some problems, is what I'm saying. Like, it's not just a lack of money sometimes. There are some, like, systemic, systemic yes. issues to do with attitudes and stuff. Like, stigma is more than... I say stigma is more than just an attitude problem because it is. It has real ramifications on people's health and lives and their ability to function. And sometimes you do meet... It's Again, it's not every single person, of course, but you do meet people. And when you do, it can be so devastating. It, it can really put you back years. It's I like, totally agree. Yeah. So I, I, I was told I had, like, you know, IBS for over 10 years. I don't think I've ever had IBS. I, I've, you know what I mean? Mm. It's like, it's done damage to me, this stuff. And so I can't help but go, but how much of it is just to do with money? That's the question I want, because I, I feel like it's not all just to do with funding issues sometimes. So I don't, I mean, it's, yeah. it's definitely at the crux of the problem in a lot of ways. I feel like if there was more funding, it. it would, I think it would alleviate some of those attitudes to a degree as well. Mm-hmm. I think because they're on their knees a little bit, I think they're now coming to the fence a whole lot more because of that. Um, because it's yeah. almost like, you know, it's, it's, it's worth saving, right? And people will, and people will come to that defense and that makes complete sense. But because of obviously lack of funding, because that we are, so I mean, God, without sound too dramatic, it it almost feels like we're 
on the cusp of something really horrible happening at the moment in healthcare. I, um, I agree with you, actually. Yeah. It's like, I think there's something really fundamentally wrong when we're a country that will literally applaud people for sacrificing their lives, their health, their mental health in the care of others, and then not give them a pay rise. I don't know. I just think that's so... Yeah, odd. so I, I, I can it's see like both ends of... I can see both ends of the argument to some degree. Um, and again, yeah. it's it's if it was as black and white as simply just, again, a systemic thing where people just need to take the rod out of their backsides, then I don't think this would be the problem right now. I think it's very complicated. Um, it's the amalgamation of lots of different things and lots of different attitudes because, again... Uh, I'm very sure people working in the NHS of, at all levels have all got varying degrees of opinions, everything. Um, and that's yeah, going to make it more messy. The, the whole, like, it's like a microcosm of humanity in itself because it's so massive that all of it is represented in there in some way. So, yeah. Yes, exactly. That's what, that's what it is. And we, should, and we should aim for that too. I mean, like again, there needs to be, because again, you don't want like a chain where everyone's thinking the same thing. Um, but at no. the same time, I mean, again, I don't have the answers or the solutions or any kind of like epiphany here, but I think it's one of those things, unfortunately, where it's having knock-on effects in lots of other areas. Um, yeah. And again, we're we will seeing, touch on that too. Yeah, I was saying, we're seeing a lot of it on the sub at the moment. Like, there's a I've lot seen... of, there's a big uptick in the amount of people getting rejected, like for shared care and getting told like weird things, um, like, things that just don't make sense in in any way and it's upsetting because i don't want to be you know if i <laughs> i don't want to live in a country or be a moderator of a reddit where i have to tell people like oh yeah you just can't get help for the condition you have that's been destroying your life like welcome to this support group for that like that's not what it should be at all no it shouldn't and and again i think to to draw some similarities with my own experiences here i think it's a relief when you're di- and I'm going strictly to ADHD here. It's mm. a relief when you're diagnosed, but yeah. I think, and this is what I've battled with in particular. And you know, I've had to go through therapy for this too. You've now got, in at least in my experience, twenty five, nearly thirty year- years of a life without that diagnosis, where you've had mental health problems, you've had misdiagnosis, mm. you've had judgment and and kind of societal issues that have affected you personally, and yeah. those things don't just go away at a diagnosis and it's a lot to unpack now i know in my own experiences you know there's lots of trauma there that perhaps and i'm i'm attributing this to adhd a little bit because there's that impulsivity of i don't want to deal with the things that are uncomfortable i just want to live in the now and enjoy myself so when a bad thing would happen it would almost be the fact of whatever and then when i got diagnosed and i got medicated i had this now this almost like this new brain that was hyper-focused yeah. and suddenly those things couldn't be ignored anymore but it's yeah. not just one event it, again it's decades worth of things that once I diagnosed it all hit me at once and suddenly I was overwhelmed with grief and that's why those yeah. communities are important to deal with those things I I spend a lot of time actually telling people who find their way to the reddit like especially the ones who've just been diagnosed that it's completely normal to experience a type of grief upon getting a diagnosis. And it's one of those things that like the no professional has ever told me that this is a thing that happens, but it's very real. It it needs its own little name at this point because it's a very specific. Kind of worms. 
Yeah, this is very, this is this very specific kind of grief. It's almost like it's um, it's a bit like you know how you can have like complex trauma. It's a bit like complex grief in that it's not about one thing that has happened. It's about for a lot of people, it's about opportunities lost, like what could have been, um, who they could have been. These really fundamentally like deep questions about who we are. And the fact that, you know, even like for a lot of people, they've been asking for help for years and it never, they never got anywhere with it. And that's a huge thing. And yeah. now they have the answer and now they have to deal with the fact that they know. And to make it even more complicated, then getting that treatment and getting like, you know, helping yourself further is then kind of being made this very complex thing when um because of all of the issues surrounding like shared care at the minute especially with like you know again it's the panorama style thing where it's like it's made mm. it harder for you to be viewed as legitimate almost yeah i had a so, gentleman yeah. reach out to me on that note on soundcloud funnily enough of all places who in memory i remember him saying that he was going through the process of shared care um and mm. then the panora panor yeah, panorama story broke and yeah. it effectively left him in limbo because he yeah, was then rejected been, from one GP, two GPs. There's been a lot of that and it's so awful. And it's, it really, it grinds my gears because it's unscientific. Like that entire thing is unscientific. And the, the people are like putting these, this stock into this thing that is just like, no. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And if I could just sort of, twirl this around for a moment as well i think if i could have any criticism particularly on the private front for diagnosis is that i, I mean i definitely didn't receive any kind of i suppose aftercare or any kind of follow-up in the in the sense of now you've been diagnosed how you know what do you go from there right you're just kind of thrown out yeah. there aren't you once yeah, you've been and again yeah. I'm, i can't talk on if that's the case at the nhs because again i wasn't diagnosed in the nhs so um, i'm not of, sure yeah. Like from what I've seen on the Reddit, at least, what tends to happen is it's a very similar. So you get your diagnosis and then maybe there'll be another appointment afterwards where you then specifically you're there to talk about medication or therapy or various things. And then you'll be waiting six months to a year for the next one. And that's yeah. basically it. And that's and definitely not like... good enough, in my opinion. I mean, it's just I think, again, well, to find those resources, I had to do my own research and, and kind of get to that desperate point of, I need help, I need it now? Well, I mean, we built our own community because there wasn't really anything. I mean, that's the sort of level that we're at. I mean, I went to, I because this is a thing, right? So I went to, so I had this thing in my local area. Um, they might be in your local area as well. They're called, it's called a recovery college. They're actually really good. No, actually. So there was, you've not heard of them or don't no. have them. So basically what it is, is it's like, um, it's kind of like an NHS thing whereby you can sign up to, they, it, it's modelled after a college. So think of it in terms of you're a student, these are courses. So you can sign up to a course of things like, you know, DBT, ACT, um, C, obviously CBT. You can then go to like these more specialised things like an ADHD thing. And I went to an ADHD one of these and um, I don't live in this area anymore, but there was a guy there from like what was at the time my local ADHD clinic, bearing in mind like, wait this is five years i've been diagnosed via right to choose and all of it at this point so this is like you could go to this thing if you didn't have it but you're on the waiting list and all the rest of it so i'm like okay so i'm looking at you know watching this guy talk about this thing and like he i don't know he was so like 
the guy got mad when um, I brought up the thing about basically support groups and community because the guy was talking about something to do with like using only official NHS community support. And I basically was like, you know, not meaning to be offensive, but what support is there? Mm-hmm. And he got like really angry at me. And I said, well, because I'm at the situation now where I, I haven't had anything. So I've effectively made my own one. I obviously it isn't all just me, but you know what I mean? Like if that essential vibe, anyway, I've made, I've helped to create one. And he got yeah. so mad. He was like, he accused it of being like um, out of nowhere. He was like, you know, it won't be evidence based. It won't be blah, blah, blah. And he was saying, you know, they're basically all this bad stuff. I'm like, you have, you have no idea, actually, what it is I'm even talking about. I told him roughly what it was. And he was just like going off on this massive lecture at me about it. And in front of all these people. And I was just sat there. Ooh, like, really okay, shocked. so chewed you out as well. That sucks. Yeah, big time. <clears throat> big time. He got mad. Like, I really, really set him off. And I don't know why. I don't I get that really. I can, I can, I can understand the need for having evidence-based resources that they're definitely well, important. We, but I think is. personal accounts are important as well. Well, the thing is, we are evidence-based, so we we have consulted with literal leading experts in the world on ADHD to write our resource. I helped co-write our FAQ, and we had a conversation with the one of the lead researchers of ADHD, who's called Dr. Stephen Farrow. Okay. he's a lecturer at Harvard. And he is a like he's a basically mental health leader of the Massachusetts Uni- like University Hospital and all wow. this stuff. Guy's like a big shot, and he um, <clears throat> effectively and he very kindly gave us over an hour of his time to go through our FAQ with us and basically fact check it for us. So okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so uh, we are evidence. Yeah, 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 and and that's great. And, and again, I but I think and. I definitely had these thoughts run through my mind when I created my platform because, you know, again, a lot of what I write and what I do is based on personal account and experience rather than, I mean, I can definitely go on Google and find evidence and, and citate, you know, and provide evidence in that way. Um, but to say that I'm evidence-based, I wouldn't feel comfortable doing so. Again, this is more about me and yourself and other individuals sharing their own personal experiences, why they're important. Yeah. And so other people who may not be diagnosed or on their way or just after can kind of draw parallels from that and kind of Absolutely. use that as a way of a coping mechanism because again it's, it's more about coping mechanisms than facts about adhd and i think there's a, a, yeah. a bit of a distinction there i agree i mean obviously rfaq is meant to be there to service any all sorts of scenarios from people who are diagnosed and want more information on like medication side effects people who are like how do i even begin the process so it like goes from more of that kind of like yeah we fact-based thing because it yeah it's just meant to serve like that kind of niche whereas things like this are just as they're just as valuable because they help people as you say like identify their own experiences make sense of what they've been through like realize maybe that they do need an assessment in the first place even depending on where they're at interested to kind of know sort of how you drew a conclusion of um suppose when did you think you had adhd when was that kind of penny drop moment for you i know you mentioned the iceberg but leading up to that was there anything there was any indicators there for you as well weirdly no it was just kind of so i got i got this iceberg meme i was on imager in fact it was in my case this was completely by chance my partner was browsing imager and um i hear a a bit you know a giggle and i look over and i'm like what you you got there and my partner just oh just this i just thought this was funny and I was looking at it, I'm like, oh, you know, I laughed as well. And then there was a, the first comment, and apparently this is one that gets repeated around sometimes, is 
somebody said in the top comment, either um, I, it was something along the lines of, either I need to stop finding people with ADHD so relatable, or I need to get an assessment. And I thought, huh, <laughs> because actually we looked at a few memes that ended up being ADHD, like just, you know, as a, as a chance thing that week. And I was like, that's, that's a really interesting point. I thought to myself and I kind of was like, I didn't say anything at the time, but I, over the next week or so, I fell down the um, ADHD hyper-focused rabbit hole um it's more like a black hole because it's just all encompassing and you just get sucked into it and before you know it you're an expert on it and mm. um yeah i read probably everything there was i found you know like how to adhd's channel and all these sorts of things and i went that, that this is it this is, i found the thing i finally sussed it. i'm you know i've got my detective hat on i finally sussed it so i go to my gp and i'm like Bearing in mind, my GPs haven't been treating me very nice for quite a while mm. now, and I've not really been able to, like, I didn't realise how bad it was until I got medicated, which is awful, but, you know, I think that's a bit of the autism kicking in as well there. So, like, I went to my GP and I said, um, I, basically, I think I have worked out what has been wrong with me all these years, and I said to him, I think I have ADHD. And he, like, he just sort of dead-ass looks at me and is kind of going, like, yeah, no, I don't think you have ADHD. And I was like, no, I, I think I do. And I'd already been proactive. So I'd filled in the ASRS and then I filled in like this executive functioning test I found online. And then I filled in this other thing I found on all these things I found online that could tendentially be related to ADHD. Um, and, the, and I handed it to him and then he was like, okay, well, I mean, you need things in your childhood that, you know, and then I started telling him about that. And he was, in the end, he was like, okay, 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 I'll refer you, you know, because he, I, mm. I broke him, basically. I was like, I, I broke him. He couldn't, he couldn't deny it sounded like a possibility. But I think he was convinced I didn't have it. Um, based again, based on what, my, though, sorry? So why was he not convinced? Well, well my notes are full of she's an attention-seeking, histrionic, borderline... Previous maker. records. Okay, so he's going off... I think so. That's... Also, just God. his attitude was just like, nah, he was just dismissive, but he was like, he was just what I had. Just to point, point to that for a second as well, because this came up in my last conversation with Jay, and I remember him saying mm. something on the lines of, you know, the amount of people that are diagnosed, depressed, uh, bipolar, etc., before they reach ADHD diagnosis. Um, and in a lot of ways, when some people get diagnosed with ADHD and they work on that, suddenly they find that the depression thing, that bipolarism... Yeah. you know it's it's surprising really because like you could almost i mean I, I don't want to take away anything for anyone that's been diagnosed depressed or bipolarism of course but it's you know i've definitely spoken with people where once they were diagnosed as adhd they found that the symptoms of depression bipolarism weren't as prevalent if at all in some cases so you could yeah. almost argue there's a bit of misdiagnosis there um, and and obviously yeah. as you've described with yourself there was lots of bumps on the road and this is where i feel like looking at someone's previous records in some cases, shouldn't be relevant really to the to the country and things like that. Well, the Surely. problem with a yeah, well, the problem with a lot of my stuff is it's controversial, mm. and also, I mean, it's from years ago. That's the thing; it shouldn't matter at this point. There should be a point at which you've like, surely you've done your time, you know. But um, apparently, for some things, no, it just doesn't ever leave. Um, so yeah, I mean, 
I think that again, we're talking about <clears throat> sorry, it's okay. Some GPs and stuff that like they weren't treating me very well. I've been like I've had some really bad things happen with them. So it's like there's there's always that kind of dynamic of sometimes if you're really unlucky like I've been, you will meet someone who's just a wee bit obsessed with the power and control of it all, you know? Like they they like them some power they like to tell people no for whatever there are a million reasons why it's really unfortunate but it does happen um in every public job as well i mean not just not just in healthcare i mean you could say that for police as well i suppose yeah and anyone like you know how many people have managers who are like you know being controlling and awful and making a hostile thing they can't do anything about it you know it's everywhere so you, you get these people everywhere but sometimes when it's a GP, it's particularly nasty because like, this is your ability to get help for your... You to know, live your life be, as well. I mean, yeah, yeah, and it can be, you know, it can be fatal if they do it too hard and you've got something really serious, you know. Or if you really do need to get a scan of some kind and you and they're not letting you, you know, it can be really bad. It's called um, itrogenic harm. Uh, that's the actual term for it, or itrogenesis. So that's I've never heard that term before. That's interesting. No, it's it's sometimes referred to as medical gaslighting, but that's not quite the same thing. See, I've heard that term, not that yeah, one. Yeah, itrogenic or itrogenesis basically means it's like a, I think it's Greek. It means from the physician or harm from the physician. Um, so itrogenic harm is harm that was caused to you by a medical professional or a mental health professional. It can happen there as well. And it's where it can it, it covers all sorts of things. It covers <clears throat> where people made a mistake, which they, you know that if that happens, it's just a fact of life. Um, but it also covers things like you know um, actual kind of abusive practices or ethical misconduct or um, everything, any any range of behaviour that. But it's like when people do it often, like that's then the thing. So yeah, it's basically just that. So mm. I, I've had a lot of itrogenic harm and it's because I couldn't properly defend myself because my brain wasn't working properly for mm-hmm. ADHD and I've got autism. So when I try and defend myself, I couldn't really. And that's nasty when you think about it. But the medication, that set me free because that gave me enough of like my brain that I can actually use it now. And so these days, somebody probably couldn't do that to me anymore because I'd just be like, no, thank you. Um, yeah. But back then I was just vulnerable, really vulnerable. I think so, a lot of people can attest that too, not it, in your specific example, but I think particularly when they're displaying characteristics of ADHD, you know, the people that are called lazy or, you know, yeah. anything like that. And they have years of it. And it, I think it, it sometimes comes to a point to some people where they just kind of accept it and go, okay, I guess I am. Um, I thought, because they don't realise. Yeah, I thought I was a genuinely broken human being and that I was just really, really mentally ill and I didn't entirely know what with because I knew that a lot of things I've been told I had were not true. I knew they weren't because I'm like, I'm not doing this on purpose. I used to just think to myself, am I doing this on purpose? Am I really doing all of this on purpose? Like, because a lot of the things people told me I did were that it was on, it was a deliberate manipulation. It was, you know, I was trying to solicit care and attention as part of a disordered, um, you know, pathological need for attention and stuff. So I thought, am I really doing, I'm not really doing this. So yeah. And again, and again though, it's, it could be, it's easy to see how, ADHD could be mischaracterized as attention seeking, particularly if you're yeah. like the type that's, let's say, disruptive in a classroom because, you know, they can't just hold stuff in or 
Yeah, I got it for the uh, emotional dysregulations aspects of ADHD. Okay. Um, it was that side. It was a mixture of that and not appearing as though I was honest. I think because of also, so it was like that's how it compounded. So the emotional dysregulation thing meant that I reacted too quickly to things that people were saying to me because I'd get irritated at people when they were basically being very wrong and like deliberately, it felt like, even if it wasn't the case, they were like deliberately not understanding me. So I'd be like, look, I'm not doing what you're thinking I'm doing. Like, you know, you're talking about how if I just, you know, organize stuff better, blah, blah. It's like, no, I, I can't do the thing. Like, it doesn't work. Yeah. You know? And then they'd write, they'd say something back to me, like, you know, it would be stuff like, you know, or it would be in the notes, that, you know, patient refuses to cooperate with X or something. So and at the time, were you able to verbalize exactly that? So were you able to communicate that either I can't help it or was there a way no, you could communicate that like, to people? Not, not really, because they had convinced me for years that I was kind of like deliberately doing stuff. So I tried to like work out how I was doing the thing they were telling me I was doing. Um and it's because I, I trusted what people were telling me fundamentally. Do you think that is what might have contributed to some of that frustration as well? Uh, and again, I'm asking this question because I very much <clears throat> resonate with that. Because again, when, when I was being told, again, the lazy side of it. So, yeah. for instance, and I knew deep in my soul that I wasn't. No, I, I definitely believed what people told me. But I think there was something here that yeah. was telling me that, no, you're not. And... I yeah. couldn't explain because, again, didn't know any better, didn't understand ADHD, particularly at a young age. So I would just no. get angry and lash out. Yeah, I'd get angry and lash out as well because like, I was always being uh, told off for daydreaming really badly. Like, I was really bad yeah. like, to the point where that made, out of everything, that's the thing that really hard made it into all my reports was like this daydreaming <laughs> thing. Um, Could do I really also, well if they applied themselves and paid attention. Literally that, yeah, literally that. Yeah. I also have three learning difficulties that were never recognized or assessed. So I've got dyslexia, dyscalculia, and dyspraxia. Okay. So I'm going for like the record. Yeah, so, like, my sure. My full list is like autism, ADHD, dyslexia, you know. So I've got like a big old list. And like none of these things were assessed, accommodated. I would get told off like um, I couldn't do maths. I've got like, um, a, it's actually really bad. I've got like a mental age of seven in maths. Okay. Um, which shocks a lot of people. But I was getting told off for like daydreaming in maths lessons because I couldn't do the maths and like then they'd never help me with the maths and then I'd get frustrated because like they're I telling imagine. me to, <clears throat> sorry, they're telling me to do all these it's things okay. that I can't actually do. Um and <clears throat> the only defense I had against it was to give in to the daydream. It was like the perfect escape because it was like the only thing that would like free me from this perpetual torment of like do your times tables when I'm looking yeah. at this, I just can't. So ADHD has been both kind of like a protective thing and also a really detrimental thing to stop me being able to just do everything, like just everything. I think ADHD as a <clears throat> as a as its core kind of def it's a very chaotic I think kind of thing, yeah. isn't it? It's <clears throat> again when when I think of ADHD, it, it, without proper management and kind of knowledge and know how, it is very chaotic. If because it manifests oh, yeah. right the, the less you manage it the less you keep on top of it the worse yeah. it almost gets so i used to cope with it when i grew older with drugs and things like that so yeah. i was massive a massive massive drug addict basically um since being treated for adhd like i don't even crave anything anymore i used to crave things so much when i gave up 
I used to crave like my old life so badly um, <clears throat> that I was like, I'm being, you know, sober and good and I'm doing all these things I'm supposed to do, but I don't want to do any of these things. Life is crap, you know, like I don't want to be this. I like being the old me. The old me yeah. was fun and exciting and blah and like, but the thing is when I got treated, that kind of like attachment to who I was in that like, really dysfunctional attachment I had just went. It was yeah. like I woke up one day and I was like, I don't crave cannabis at all. How weird is that? I don't crave like reliving like really wild raves or something. Like, yeah, you yeah. know, none of it. Like, I don't miss those people who That's were really like, interesting, actually. locked in it. Like, would it I mean, be fair to, to say as well? Oh, sorry to interrupt. That's all right. No, it's fine. So, like, one of the problems you often get is like you have people that like kind of help keep you in that world when it's really bad like that. And I used to miss them so bad because one of the best ways to break free of it in a way is to like leave that world. So leave your friends and start again and stuff. And I did that and I was, I regretted it. But yeah, then I, then I, then I didn't because I was like, they never liked me. No. <laughs> you know? do, you ever, do you ever not think as well that they liked you for a person that you're portraying rather than your true self? So obviously your true yeah. self being the diagnosed you, the one that knows yourself better. Yeah, I think so. They liked me because, well, they liked me because a lot of the time I would do like, I would do impulsive stuff. And, mm -hmm. you know, I am, I am a person who the only reason why I don't have a criminal record is because I ran fast enough. Right. So like, <laughs> <laughs> so like, it's that they liked me for that. They liked me because, you know, um, we always want to do the craziest stuff as well. So the type of yeah, person exactly. that, if if they sounds a bit of a stupid cliche saying, but if they told you to jump off a hill, you'd do it. I I right. I once um, for a laugh. Um, I don't know why I did this because this is just the sort of weird stuff I did. I once infiltrated the young conservatives for a laugh and attended like this meeting that they held in like, oh gosh this mansion okay and like gave a talk about stuff. I don't know what That's the hell wild. was going on because I was really off my face, but like. <laughs> That's sort of weird. I'm not a conservative at all, but no, no, that's no. sort of weird stuff. Like, I don't know why, but I thought it was funny at the time, and it was. But, like, weird things as well, though. Like, yeah. very, very impulsively odd things. Like, I saw Things that thing you think are was... funny, and then yeah. in, in retrospect, you look back and go, that wasn't actually that funny. <laughs> that was so weird. Like, yeah. why did that happen? Yeah, because it's because I saw a, a, fleet, uh, a flyer somewhere about this thing, and I just did it. It's like the other thing I did is I got a skate park build, built in my town because, um, like, basically the the older people in our t in my town were like complaining that we were all doing skating on like you know in a place where there was lots of elderly people and they hated it, but we had nowhere to go. So I I just got I managed to get like so many signatures. I don't even know it was a lot. And then I went to like this council meeting and I gave this impassioned speech on why the why the youth need a place to go and it should be a skate park. <laughs> and I'm looking back on that going like, what what happened there? Because there is now a skate park. How did you park get mixed up in that? Yeah. I don't know, but I did. <laughs> and I got it built and it's still there. And I'm like, that only exists because I did something weird. That's so funny. But that, yeah. I mean, so, that could be seen as a positive though, right? I mean, yeah, it is, yeah. but it's, it's, it is, it's great. But at the same time, it, I just look back on some things and I barely have any memory of them or like, because it's all, I, at the time I was so high, basically high all the time. When I did stuff like that, I don't actually really remember doing it. 
I just kind of know that's that interesting. Happened. I know, you know, again from from talking to yourself and I think a bunch of other people and and knowing myself too. I think uh, so. For again, Jay, who I spoke to on the last episode, you know, he by his account doesn't have a, a really good memory of from a long time ago. But in kind of the short term, it almost sounds like he he, he can kind of understand that really well. I'm the opposite. My historical memory, so going back years and years and years, like even like to the age of four very vivid i can remember like what people were wearing what they were doing that day but for me if you ask me about what i did an hour ago or yesterday not so much memory problems are such a common thing for people i have so many memory problems i used to think i gave myself some sort of brain damage from the drugs but actually it just turned out to be adhd (laughs) um i had well when i got assessed for my learning difficulties i had like a full iq assessment that had the whole works and like there's no I didn't actually damage my brain, but I thought I did. So that's how bad, I guess, ADHD can be. And I don't say that lightly because my mum actually did have a brain injury. So like, okay. I genuinely I genuinely thought I had done some permanent damage because, you know, the, the, the anger, the frustration, like the things that can happen, it's very similar sometimes to what happens with someone that has a, a brain a brain injury. Well, that's stress so that on actually, your brain too, chemically speaking, that can't be good long term. No, no, basically. So yeah, so that's that's what I thought. I thought I'd done some damage to my brain, but no, it's actually I'm gonna, it's uh, now I'm, I'm medicated. Right. Yeah, and I think to circle back <laughs> on some of these points because I, what I found really interesting for a moment there was you kind of talking about almost like your wild side or this kind of wild, crazy period of of your life where obviously you weren't managing ADHD at this point, you weren't aware of it. Um, yeah, I was young, and I find that quite. <laughs> I mean. <sighs> I know for myself, in my experiences, I know in my sort of early teenagers, so, you know, when everyone turns 18 and, you know, the, the thing to do is go to the club or the pub or whatever and just drink a lot, right? So, you know, I'm a metalhead guy, <laughs> um, you know, and I'm not really a club person. I'm not into dance rave music all that much. I mean, I like Aphex Twin, but but anyway, so I'd hang out <laughs> with these group of guys. They were the chavs you know they were kind of the, the cool guys and whatever and i wasn't really i was so where i'm at based in the midlands we got what's called grebos <laughs> i was right, the, yeah. i was the grebo right long hair I know, you I know, know yeah yeah i was that guy you know 06 myspace panic at disco black hair finger pain <laughs> you know i was that dude um so the was an absolute far cry from the person that you'd expect to see like lads 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 in the club all that kind of stuff right so <laughs> When that time came, right, you know, because I think I built up this kind of character of being the funny guy or being the butt of the joke a lot. I was always a jester in my group of friends, always the first person to kind of do crazy shit or kind of do something so ridiculous that no one else would ever conceive to do it or even dare to do it, right? But not me, you know, because I was so desperately seeking that affirmation from people that I would, I mean, quite honestly, do some really dangerous stuff at my own detriment just to get the kind of the approval from the people around me. And then when I kind of moved away from that in later years before diagnosis, funnily enough, and when I got managed AHD, I kind of, this all started to click together, right. Of this kind of like, you know, I didn't need to do, I don't need to do things like that. That's not me. And I'm kind of embracing my almost true self now, now that I'm kind of understanding myself a bit better too. It kind of works in tandem. Yeah, for me, it was never about like, I never wanted to get the approval of like my friends or anything. I just wanted it all to not be so awful. Just everything. Oh, uh, okay. So I was more, I was more on like, um, 
a self-destructive um ride or die situation you know i i was more like i can definitely relate to that by the way i understand that yeah live fast die young leave a pretty corpse style (laughs) awful mentality (laughs) yeah like that kind of vibe oh it was not good and i've i've paid i'm paying the price for it now i've got like issues and stuff from it like lungs and i smoked and i've got asthma shit don't do it Mm -hmm. stuff like that so you know it these things they do come back and um just, yeah, don't, yeah, they do for yeah. sure. It's like I don't, I don't like the fact that I ever became that way. Really, it was I, I was so not like that growing up. I, I grew, I went to a Catholic school, and I like, um, <laughs> I really believed in Jesus, right? So I was like, really like, oh, and then bit I of a rebellion like, then, by the sounds of it. I never stopped rebelling. I think ever. I think I'm a bit um, oppositionally defiant or something. Because I never stop. Even now, I I haven't stopped. Like I don't think. No, I think that's a bit of nature too, right? I think some people have that in them. I definitely do. I was always the. I mean, even now, so I I can't even blame ADHD, right? I think that's just (laughs) by by character. I was always that guy to kind of ask why. So I wasn't just going to take what people said verbatim. I'd say, well, why? No, you know. Yeah. Stop being argumentative. Stop back chatting. Yeah of that <laughs> so i mean but that's something i think that a lot of people will probably really relate to i feel it's one of the bits of adhd that doesn't always get like talked about an awful lot like when you're online and stuff i see a lot of things about focus and organization and but it, you have to search a little bit to find this kind of like yeah i did it's a thing. i think funnily yeah. enough if, if i can and i'm remembering more things as we're talking actually i think one of the yeah. first things that i kind of realized in my kind of journey to diagnosis was that whole personas and masking stuff where yeah and, and i go back to the affirmation thing right because i had it drilled into me from a very young age from friends and family that my behavior was abnormal and the way i behaved naturally wasn't right so mm. uh, and I clicked onto this and it became a sort of a, a progressive incremental thing, right? You know, kind of culminates into that t- those late teen years, early adult years where I'd go absolutely crazy. But growing up, you know, kind of understanding that I had to act differently to get the respect and affirmations of other people. And I developed this kind of character of like this idiot boy to do stupid things or to be the class clown, make people laugh, do stupid shit. Now... Again, I think looking back with a bit of hindsight in my favour, now I'm managing things a bit better. I can understand now and appreciate that a lot of that behaviour was down to the fact that deep down I knew that or was being told that this behaviour was wrong. My natural self, so my ADHD self. Not And again, it's, it, it's a funny one because I know some people don't like to use it as an identity, but in a lot of ways for me it was, I think, and I was definitely characterised as such. But again, yeah. in society I was being told no. So I had to... and i mean uncomfortably kind of sort of shimmy myself into this kind of mindset and i did it for many years and what's really interesting about it uh do you know kevin smith the director jane yeah. so he recently did a talk about this not to do with adhd but for basically depression right so he he came out he, he just came out of therapy um and it all started with this one key moment where he was called a fat kid so he developed this kind of like hollywood kevin smith where He'd be the funny guy and he'd have self-deprecating humor and, you know, he'd do anything for you. Just don't call me fat. And that's what resonated with me the most, I think. And yeah. as I did the more research on this too, again, I think this is how ADHD can get 
undiagnosed so many years for so many people, right? Because they're pretending and they're faking it all the time. And I definitely did that for many years. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, the, the things I could say about masking and putting on, like, it's the huge. thing with me, yeah, the thing with me is I've never been particularly good at it. Like, and that sounds silly in a way, but like, I'm good at it enough to make people go, there's nothing wrong with you, you're just doing this deliberately or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm not good enough to like actually do it beyond that point. So it, I constantly get into trouble, basically, in the wider world. Like, I can't keep jobs. Um, That's like, what caught I me out in the end, too. Yeah, managers hate me universally. Like, you know, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. So like, I can, I could, but if I ever have to truly compromise who I am in order to like, you know, fit in, I can't actually do it. I won't do it. I think. You know. Um, That's interesting. The most depressed I've ever been in my life was when I let my hair go back to its natural brown color and stop wearing black all the time and went and became an, another normal person and i have i have never been more soulless and exactly yeah because like, again that's not you is it you you, you have no. you've, you've devolved into something that you're not and again i can re- resonate with that particularly in that situation where i'm no longer wearing doc martin's uh night stefan janoski's and vans anymore i'm now wearing yeah. lacoste and fred perry and <laughs> you know and it, it's again it, Something breaks inside when you have to do that for too long. And that's why I really, really want people to be able to be diagnosed and helped because I don't want people to just go through that ever. Yeah, and, 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 and that's why I did it too. And I and completely 100% subscribe to that ideologue too because, again, like you do that for so long, you, you, you do burn out on it. It's a full-time yeah. job because that's the mask you're wearing from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep. And it's, and it's exhausting. And again, I think that's kind of what did it for me in the end, because whilst, you know, I did everything I could to fake it and pretend I was not, you know, I got caught out in the end. I I don't want to say caught out, but you know, the cracks showed, you know, I was getting sacked from jobs a lot, you know, in school as well. My grades were horrible. Um, Things like that, little glimmers to sort of tell people that something wasn't right. But unfortunately those two things isolated on their own, you could just characterize as someone that, you know isn't putting in the effort let's say um I, and that's the yeah. problem i i barely got any gcse's despite doing really well in my coursework i failed college four times <laughs> okay. so like yeah I, I kept going back because i was trying to do the like the normal life path thing right where you get your gcse's you go to college and you go to university because i've been told effectively that's just that's how it goes i couldn't i couldn't do it um but now that I've been treated and medicated, like I just got a distinction for my first year at the Open University. That's amazing. Well done. Yeah, I've, I can't do maths and psychology is full of maths. So I still got a distinction. So it's like, so. That's I'm incredible. Still... Well, seriously, well done. And I think uh, that talks a lot to, I mean, I'm assuming you've gone into, I mean, it must be something you find super interesting, right? At, particularly this part of your life. Yeah, I'm, I really want to like, um, if I could have a dream job out of it, I'd want to be like a clinical psychologist and I'd want to steal all of the people with borderline personality disorder into, into my into my little office and reassess them. <laughs> and reassess, just yeah. to make sure, you know, just to make sure, just so we're all happy with the situation, you know. And um, That should really that be, be part like, of the framework anyway, right? I mean, there's an argument to be made yeah. there. But that, you know, stuff like that, basically, that would be like a dream job for me. 
something like, or are they, or are they ADHD? I saw something. I have my fingers crossed for you. I mean, if, if I could give you feedback here, you articulate a lot of these things very well. So <laughs> if, if there's one place you should be, it should be there. And I really hope that's what happens with you. I really do. Yeah. Like develop a therapy that helps people with ADHD or something. Specifically. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Like yeah, 100%. And again, it's, it's, it's crazy, right? So you've had so many years of... I hate using the word failure because again if that wasn't the path for you I'm, then it's I'm, not a failure I'm, okay. but... I'm kind of okay with failure because you could say yeah there's failure um I'm like 37 now so that's a long time of not being able to do, do things I only started being able to like interact with the world properly at 35 mm-hmm. so that's when I got diagnosed was at 35 so I got diagnosed. I like immediately enrolled myself for some reason. I did an impulse, basically. I, I went, <laughs> I'm going to do a thing. And I decided I'm going to like get into lots of debt and go to the European University and do psychology. But like, yeah, I then did quite, like quite well at it. And I'm just kind of like, it's really weird to think that I've spent the past like two decades or something being unable to like fundamentally function like at all, really. And um, just manage my life, do chores, you know, like all of the little things, all of the big things. How, so how did you feel then? So you've been diagnosed, you've, for a little bit of, I guess, trial and error, you're now on the right medication that works for you. Describe that yeah. feeling. So um, I had uh, bad side effects for the ADHD medication. I don't have like, a history of heart issues in my family or myself, but either way, my blood pressure went to, no, you don't want it to be up there. Oh, okay. Um, really severe anxiety on it like really bad anxiety so um my my guy basically took me off like all of my adhd medication and put me on like uh, instant release one instead so that it didn't last for as long so i could like you know tolerate it in smaller doses okay and since doing that it's basically now i'm doing what everybody accuses people in university of doing with their adhd medication as in i take it before i need to do something for a while you know so it's like right, i need to study i need to work on an assignment i need to do you know and so i'll take it before i have to do like a task so i've associated it in my head with productivity or like generally sort of feeling a bit better like because i would also do therapy with the medication like when I, I go to therapy while on the medication or I do something fun while I'm on it so I've given it all of the as much as I can I've given it like productivity um you know things that effectively ease anxiety and depression like associations in my brain so I've tried to basically like condition myself into going medication equals better and yeah. actually yeah yeah it kind of does um so after the initial like you know when you first begin ADHD medication like it feels a bit like I'm fixed and you can sometimes get a bit I am a god I know everything I am a genius (laughs) you can get a bit like that and then after a while like that that goes away and you're just like then you go through a phase I think of going does the medication even work is it doing anything and then you finally settle into acceptance and going actually it gives me the opportunity to choose am I going to do something okay so it gives me the ability to go I would like now to dedicate myself to a thing. I can probably most of the time follow through with that. Whereas before, no. If it wasn't like this massively interesting, super awesome thing, nah, not even nearly. What about if it was life and death? So like you had to do it or so help you go? No, I would die. So this is why I have chronic health issues now because no, I didn't go to the GPs even though I knew my cough was weird or I didn't. 
go and do the thing. I, I didn't go to the dentist, even though my teeth are really, really hurting because I hadn't been brushing them properly. You know, like yeah. I just let that thing get awful. So, no, it really, really is just very specific things. It's either it really interests me or it doesn't. So, yeah. I'm like, I can, like that. yeah, I'm, I'm a bit the same. I think, I, I must admit, I think my distinction would be that I think if it was life and death, I think that's when the kind of the override takes over a little bit for me. Um, but I think, generally speaking, if I've got any kind of perceived choice in the matter, if I'm interested in it or I'm invested in it, then yes. Um, if not, absolutely not. Or I'm going to be like drag kicking and screaming. I, yeah, there have been bits in my first years that I've been doing in psychology that have just not been very interesting. Uh, or they've been like, you know, again, I have the maths learning difficulty and it's been very, very maths based. Um, those have been, there is, I reside in a level of hell uh, where <laughs> I have a maths hmm. disability and I have to learn statistics. And I have done this to myself, <laughs> willingly, of my own volition. And yet, like, yeah, no, I, I dragged myself kicking and screaming through the mud. I will do this because of the thing at the end. is. So that was hard. And I had to, I didn't know I had these, this reserve of willpower I now have. In those moments, then. it there. In those moments, what are you? So, in those moments where you are for, like forcing yourself and making yourself kicking and screaming, what is in your head at those moments? Is there any kind of like, are you like kind of self-realizing what it means for you if you see it through? Like, are you thinking of that diploma at the end? Are you thinking it's, of? It's it's pure survival. It's like um, it's like a it's more like a trauma thing. It's like we're going to have to just fight through it in order to get through it. And then afterwards, I, I just collapse in a massive pile of burnout. It's in no way healthy, but I have been able to do it. And at least my medication has allowed me to read the chapter of the book I didn't really want to read or think about the thing that I really should be, you know, I should plan my essay. I should plan my assignment. I should think about, you know, how I'm going to approach this particular subject, you know. It's allowed me to do a, but you know, there then comes a bit where it's just like sheer awful willpower, and it is just the most. Oh, it just breaks my brain. But I've been yeah. able to do it, so it's been hard, and it's only going to get worse. And I'm a fool, but there we go. At least you know. <laughs> but <laughs> hey, juxtapose that against I don't know, ten years ago. Ten years ago, I was massively addicted to World of Warcraft to the extent where I didn't have a real <laughs> life. I didn't have a real life. I didn't go outside. I was on benefits playing World of Warcraft for like 18 hours a time. And Gosh, stuff. have you seen that episode um, of South Park where they're all playing World of Warcraft? I was the guy. <laughs> I was the guy like, with the keyboards doing the thing, looking for like the this. Board yeah, like all the, all the back, yeah. Yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> And it wasn't just World of Warcraft. It was like any computer game. It was RuneScape for me. I was 12, 14 hours a day. Yeah. I just did that for like 10 years. Um, It's not great, actually. I felt very like I knew I could do so much more, but I couldn't do so much more. And that was very, very upsetting because I didn't want to be like this, but I was like this. And I, there, I went to so much therapy to try and work out why. I walked into a CBT session once and I went, they went, what basically so what brings you here today? And I went, I would like to learn how to become a normal human being who can participate in society, I said to her. And she just looked at me and was like, What? I was like, that's why I'm here today. I'm sick and tired. I need to learn how to become a human who can interact with society and who can like, you know, live my life properly. And she was just like, 
No one ever asked anything beyond that point, though. They just went, um, well, we can do some basic things. I was like, if they'll help me, let's do them, you know? Mm. <laughs> no one ever went, uh, how do you not interact with society? And I'm like, so many ways. No, this question, now I'm not trying to shrink you or pose a therapist, but this is a question that I think is really interesting given this sort of conversation. If you, you now could have a conversation with you back then, is there anything you'd say? What would I say to myself? Um, I would say stop trying to convince yourself that the things that people are telling you are true because I would try and say, oh, I'm like this because I'm... I am, in fact, trying to get attention. Stop doing that. You have <laughs> so much imposter syndrome. It's gonna, it's destroying your brain and it's sending you to an early death. Stop it. You, you just have some stuff that's wrong with you. It can eventually be treated and you can get better. Is what I probably say. I'd shake myself and go, stop playing World of Warcraft for 18 hours. It's not helping. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a really good answer. Thank you for that. So I'm going to sort of take this in, in a new direction now. Uh, obviously, I, I want, I'm very conscious of the fact that there is something very specific here we both want to discuss yeah. with each other. I'm just going to quickly move on into sort of the BBC Panorama stuff. I know, obviously, that's a very hotly debated subject at the moment in, in our world, basically. Obviously, I discussed this in depth with Jay. Um, I just want to really kind of hear your thoughts on that and kind of how you feel it's having an effect on us at the moment. So my thoughts are that there is a level of hell waiting for the people who inflicted that upon us. Um, I feel that Panorama and its aftermath have scarred our community in ways that words can't really express and that it has left devastation that is profound. Um, every day I see things connected to it rippling out across our Reddit. Um, it will be like one person was denied shared care here and then like another person was told something really nonsensical by like a GP or somebody else there. And there's just constant this feeling of doubt and derision being directed at people who are already a vulnerable population. And that really, really irritates me and upsets me. Me too. Um, and I feel like I have tried to go to people in the media both like mainstream media like say the guardian stuff like that as well as like i'd say alternative mainstreams like the say like the vara media for example mm -hmm. and no one will touch anything to do with this um owen jones just got diagnosed with adhd i went to him i'm like oh you're one of us now gosh Can i had we, no um... idea yeah he just got diagnosed with ADHD. i love his so book like, chaps he... as well <laughs> is that so it's like i'm like you're, you're one of us you know we need to talk about some stuff i'm like nothing like nothing i've done oh god okay because i don't have enough followers on twitter or something probably i'm not important so mm. um i just every, and like this is such a huge issue it's having so many in, like ramifications on people it's stopping people being taken seriously by various people like doctors or other things it's like it's impacting people's families. So like people can get diagnosed and have family members turn around and go, uh, oh, what, like, basically like on the TV where X and Y, like, did you get seen by one of those? Yes, on I got that. Like, I got that. Well, I didn't exactly. get nothing specifically like that, but uh, there was a few, I remember this, there was a few raised eyebrows, like, have you seen this? I know you're privately yeah. diagnosed, like implying that, you know, there, there might be like something more at play there. Um, like, yeah, are you sure um, you picked the right person? 
<laughs> yeah, it was already difficult for people to try and evade this notion. That, oh, it's so annoying. You know, you've, yeah, you've paid for a diagnosis to get the medication, for example. Well, one hundred twenty pounds in my in my case privately. Yeah, it's like there was this notion before Panorama that people were like it was a trend. People were paying to get the medication because it's stimulants, blah blah blah, and all this sort of stuff. And since Panorama, it's just magnified, it's amplified it. You've had various media outlets writing hit pieces on the whole of ADHD. Just everybody who has, we have discipline problems, it's phones, it's all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like it was there before, yeah. it's just got bigger. And because it came from the BBC, I think it helped to legitimise that view. And then it leaked its way into the actual NHS. And this is why when earlier we were talking about that and I was being like, I am quite critical in places. This is because they, they have taken this thing and adopted it as a as a view as an ideology within certain places mainly icbs or integrated care boards seem mm -hmm. to have adopted panorama as like there is like um a, this recent um thing happening on the reddit where people are on mass in all over the country being denied a shared care request and a gp or someone like it is telling them one of the reasons why is because it's a policy that they're following um, well, and it's off the back some, of that, that, is that what they've been saying? So off the back they've of that been story? Saying they're following, they've been saying that they're following a policy, except there's no official policy that they're referencing. There's no minutes to any... Like charities that I know, people in, have been investigating this. There is no minutes in any meeting. But all of these different health boards, these ICBs and these trusts, are all saying the same thing. And we're seeing it time and time and time again on, on the sub. And it's using panorama talking points to fuel it. So, for example, they'll say, we're not going to do a shared care agreement. You're going to have to get re-diagnosed under the NHS because only an NHS assessment can be seen to be reliable. And that last bit is the panorama bit. So it's like we're getting this, like we're getting them in like increasing numbers to the point where, like, I'm seriously concerned at this point that, you know, I made a joke sort of, I guess, the other day where someone had posted one of these things saying, that, you know, effectively what I just said had happened to them. And it was like the third one of these in a row. And it was, again, connected to an ICB in a random bit of the... I made a... I've turned into the conspiracy meme guy. I have a map with all of these things where I'm tracking them all. Because I'm Jesus. like, where are all these things happening, right? Because there's that many of them. And like, the, I said, did we all just miss the memo that there was a big meeting taking place where they just decided to just outright start rejecting shared care or something? Because it's like, it feels a little, you know, I can't say for sure that it is. All I have are like unverified, effectively, reports and some screenshots and some letters and stuff. But people keep on saying that this is happening. And I'm like, well, first of all, I believe you because so much odd stuff. I could believe it too. Yeah. Yeah. So much odd stuff has been happening since they made that program. And yeah, we keep on seeing this stuff happen. It's like, it's, if it's part of a larger picture. Of other things to it's do gonna with have ADHD. a ripple effect too this is gonna be There's, something that's gonna yeah it's more than panorama so this is where i'm like again you know instead of rabbit holes it's black holes so like the more i look into the panorama story i sound like a conspiracy theorist, no no it's okay but the more i look into it the weirder stuff i find so it's part of like a wider picture essentially and that's like one of the things that I did want to come and talk about today is like this wider picture that I'm seeing and that other people see, not just me. 
charities I'm talking to see it and all sorts of stuff. So it's this. Yeah, and you know what? As I'm having more conversations, I'm opening up to that a bit more. If I'm being very honest with you, I probably avoided a lot of these stories, you know, purposefully. I made a choice to kind of keep away from them for a time. The anxiety that I felt behind reading into that, having only not long just been diagnosed myself, it really put me in a spiral because I thought, you know, I spent all this time you know, and I'm yeah. finally get diagnosed and suddenly the media wants to sort of go on like a witch hunt about it. It's just yeah. like, yeah, just my look, right? Uh, <laughs> well, the question for me is why? Why is there a witch hunt? Why is this happening? And that is the question I have been... If I could make a random guess, I would say it's almost in response to the, the vast number of people that are recently getting diagnosed without That's reading into reason. it. That's one reason. That is a reason cited by places that have got no evidence for what they're doing but it's not just that because again like i said earlier is it just about the money because we're at the point now where we have multiple media outlets doing including the bbc obviously especially in a way yeah having all of these anti-adhd stories then we have um nh various nhs trusts doing this like um you know uh thing where like you know we're we're denying shared care Obviously, one of the reasons they're giving is like, you know, there's all of these people coming and getting the thing. But then there's other reasons that don't quite make sense. Like, well, if it's just money, why is there then this attitude issue that people are also constantly encountering? Why are people being told all these very stigmatized? It's not that they're uneducated, they're stigmatizing things. People aren't being told, oh, you don't look ADHD or something. They're being told things like, um, you know what is it like they're being told things more like you know you you don't need medication or like you don't um you just need cbt or you know even though you've had a diagnosis i still think it's borderline or like all of this like stigmatizing stuff stuff that's there's not going to get them treated in any way and things that it's odd that like some of these points I've seen people posting are like really harsh. Like someone got laughed at the other day, literally. I saw in. that one. I know exactly yeah. what you mean. Yeah. So, so you know, so there's stuff like that. There's people saying things like, you know, I got laughed at, you know. Laughed out the door um, effectively, weren't they? I remember reading that and thinking how, I think yeah. I commented on that one actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you've got stuff like that. Um, and that goes beyond money at that point. That's not, that's nothing to do with money. That's, that's a different thing. And then when you follow that line of thought, when you're like, okay, so money, we accept the money, we accept it's overstretched, we accept they're overworked. All those things are true. I'm not even denying them. I think they're more than true. But when you start following the what, but why are they saying all the stigmatizing stuff line? Because there is a reason. Getting, There's definitely there a, reason. a reason. You start getting into the weird stuff. So the weird stuff involves, and that's why I wanted to come on and talk about Yorkshire, because it's it's magnified most there. Um so like I've been doing a lot of um, trying to raise awareness of the situation happening in Yorkshire for mm-hmm. a while. Um, but that's like um, a really good microcosm of this thing. But then there's another thing. That, so it's not just this Yorkshire thing, which I'll talk about in a bit probably. But like yeah. there's this other thing. I, for example, there is like this kind of a correlation between people, for example, going off with like, um, like say transphobics, um, like talking points. There's a correlation between people attacking, for example, trans people and ADHD people getting like services reduced and all the rest of it. And it's interesting to me that, like, for example, there's an awful lot of trans people who have autism and ADHD. 
and then you start going down there and then you start going into more plate and it's like this wider picture right. of like this like overarching so it's bigger than adhd would argue yeah i would say it is very much an attack on adhd these sorts of things very very much so but it does have like threads that go out into other places that like i don't know that people are really talking about i don't That's think they are to be honest with you and you, the fact that you've highlighted that it, it's kind of put a spark in my brain of thinking huh you well, know? it's something like you know it's something like 70 percent or 80 percent of people in this instance we say trans people have a form of a neurodivergence right to the point where people say oh because you have for example adhd or autism you are not capable of deciding you know what your gender identity is or things like this and so you have people saying things like this that's on interesting one hand, particularly and then with... on the other hand yeah you have an attack on our services and it's weird right so yeah. then it starts getting into cultural war territory very very quickly and i'm like i don't like it when it gets no because <laughs> there's, there's been a major sort of sort of gender politics movement going not just in the uk but the united states at the moment obviously we, we i think a lot of people would know about that if they've looked at even like bbc recently there's been yeah, a lot of that and now that you've put that into kind of context uh statistically speaking i think that's really interesting because that to me sounds like this it's beyond just adhd and attacking adhd it's it's going after an actual almost sounds like going after an actual group of people yeah yeah specifically and the ways that it manifests that people don't really like i guess that they're bigoted against so it's like one of those things where it's like you know, while it, I'm not saying that it is because people are attacking trans people exclusively, but I'm saying there is a wider overarching picture. Here but it's a part of that, though, right? I mean, it's definitely it. a part yeah. of it. It's it's like it, it is. It's it's like how I mean, if you could blanket blanket approach, but I guess because you know, obviously ADHD people are diagnosed with it in society from all cultures and creeds, you know, um, and. <laughs> what we've learned particularly staying age a lot of people don't like different and no. it's not enough just to target adhd but no. in those communities well, who else have you got when you think about it adhd and autism as well are associated predominantly with children right mm-hmm. nobody wants to attack children not even the most right wing or right wing person who's we'll see they don't they don't do it they don't like to they like to think of the children instead right they like to use children as like a political but they're using that but they are using that i mean going back to gender policies for a second here you know children are being used as kind of an argument here they are they are but not with adhd and autism they're not you see so because that's like it's it's sort of seen in a slightly different way However, there is then like a wider sort of picture as well, where people are using our diagnoses as a way to invalidate our lived experiences, whatever that might be. So in the case of children, they're taking away children's like autonomy, essentially. They're saying, you know, they're kind of going like... Not even essentially, 100%. Not even essentially. Journalistic approach to it. So children don't get to speak out for themselves. Then Then you look at like other sorts of minorities and things like that and like groups of people. And you start realizing that it's like it's sort of a way of attacking so many different types of people that a lot of people just don't like. Don't want to put so, up with. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's part that's why the Panorama program was as cursed as it was. Because it's not just attacking ADHD. 
as a thing. It's attacking so many people who are already under a lot of pressure from like wider society and like the arguments that people, you know, sometimes people argue effectively to like, you know, they make people, what they do is they make people's existence a discussion. So like ADHD is a discussion now mm-hmm. rather than a condition, right? Trans people, it's a discussion rather than their lived legitimate reality, right? And so on and so forth. So when you get to become a discussion, they start to think that they can like stomp all over you, dehumanize you, take away your advocacy. This whole situation strikes me as a sort of boiled frog scenario because I think if they yeah. were to go after these individuals, um, not, again, not just for ADHD, but for kind of either their identities, etc. Um, I think that would be kind of walked out the door very quickly because even with what's going on this day and age, I would like to think that if they were just to attack race or sexuality or whatever, I think that would get called out really quickly. But I think called out when, sure. when you're kind of going at it in a veiled sort of way where it's not deemed to be looking like it's going after those individuals, but more about questioning the legitimacy of ADHD diagnosis... Do you, do you see, yeah, who do you does see, that yeah. hurt? Well, you know, who does that hurt, isn't it? That's the exactly. thing. It hurts it's not, it's not direct. It's not direct. But again, it's this bullfrog no. thing where like it, the, the, the heat's turning up bit by bit in increments, right? Like obviously we're talking about Yorkshire here for a moment. It's like it's almost being trialled in that one area. And then should that yeah. kind of become the status quo, that's going to spread, isn't it, right? It's going to kind of that's go across the, the country. That's the fear. So just to really quickly, um, just for anyone who's listening who might not be aware, what's going on with Yorkshire is the um, York, uh, Humber and Yorkshire Trust. Is it, is it that? I think it's that. Sure. It's, um, either way, the Yorkshire Trust um, has adopted a pilot scheme um, that is basically aimed at restricting ADHD and autism assessments to people who are only in a severe crisis. Now, the problem with that is that that phrase, severe crisis, is not defined as anything more than that. So they have these criteria that someone now has to meet up there that are very hard uh, for most people, I think, to meet. So, for example, um, can you imagine, after all of the stress and the pain and the strife that is involved in working out, like, oh, I have ADHD, that you go to your GP for a referral, for, like, right to Tuesday, and the doctor goes to you, are you at risk of harming yourself or others, and, has, and what has the community mental health team put in place for your crisis management plan? Are you following it? Do you, do you have a crisis plan at the community mental health team? I don't. No. And who does i've never had one. why would you want someone to be at dire straits in the first place in order to get the help they need surely the proactive approach would be to kind of preempt that and nip it in the bud before it gets to that point yeah so okay so you've answered no right let's say you've answered no there because yeah sound like you did. um so because you don't have say a crisis plan um the gp goes to you well are you at risk of being unable to have planned life-saving hospital treatment operations or care placement due to your adhd Due to your ADHD, are you at risk of being unable to have an operation because of ADHD? I couldn't think of a situation where that would be the case, if I'm being honest with you. No, and that's curious, isn't it? So then you've answered no again. Yeah. 
Are you at immediate risk of losing your children, for example, in a court battle because of your ADHD? It has to be in a court battle because of your ADHD. Gosh. Not, not your wife is leaving you, not like your husband's leaving you, but you the, it's in a courtroom that this is happening the only caveat to that one yeah. really would be like someone who's not diagnosed but has adhd and they're not managing their emotion or regulation and they have a hot temper that's probably yeah. the, the worst case but even then that's a so you've answered no to all three yeah because well you are you are not permitted to have an adhd assessment then goodbye Right, so what we're going to do instead for you is we're going to send you a link. It's going to lead to a website called the Do It Profiler. You're going to fill that out and it's going to tell you exactly how neurodiverse you are. So let's say you do that. It takes about two hours to do, or round about, an hour and a half maybe. So you do that and it comes up and it says, my dude, you are heckin' ADHD. And you go, okay, right. <laughs> and then you hit the button, okay, what next? Um, what next? Yeah. What's next? That's it, right? Why, why, are, why am I now in a void where there's nothing except my torment? Like, what is this? So you know, but you're not <laughs> diagnosed. That's It doesn't say we're going to refer you for CBT or something like that. It doesn't say anything. There's nothing. There is nothing. There's your readout of how uh, neurodiverse you are. So sorry, that's, that's just to ask quickly. So does it score you out of 100 or something? Is that how it works? Um, it, it provides like um, like a kind of in-depth series of graphs, infographics, um, explanation statements of like, you scored 10 in the autism thing, which means you're probably autistic and that's that. And you should um, make your environment better for your autism. Here's some handy tips to do that. Um, you scored really high in ADHD. You should get a diary and a journal and a calendar. And it genuinely. Um, and, Jesus, um, okay. Tidy up your house so it's less chaotic. You know, you scored really high in OCD. Um, you should uh, practice ways to stop thinking about the compulsions that you've had or the thought, the intrusive thoughts you can't control. Okay, it how? Work on. It, well, I mean. Yeah. The void exactly it's just it's just so I, it's like you're reading out a comedy script here like you, you have problems <laughs> you have problems deal with them how i don't know just deal with them then there's other questions so does this profile count for getting accommodations at university so dsa uh it's like disabled student funding and assistance requires diagnostic proof um does this profile count for that? If you're burning out at university and you desperately need an assessment because you're going to drop out and fail and burn out like so many of us do, does this get... No, it doesn't count. What about... It says on the profile that, you know, um, they talk, you know about use this to talk to your workplace about accommodations. Um, is it in any way something your employer has to act on? No real diagnosis it's not a diagnosis you weren't diagnosed you just had an, a, a profile made of your neurodiversity is all tells you your strengths and your weaknesses and that's, got, that, that's got no legal binding either right so like things like oh. you know the reasonable accommodations in the workplace that's going to be thrown out the window too right yeah because it's not a diagnosis you didn't get diagnosed you don't have the condition yet officially yeah but you've been told you're 10 out of 10 on adhd and autism maybe or whatever just you know ADHD why can i just ask as well because again this is through me not knowing really i mean how has this come about i mean but why was this even introduced to begin with or why is it being discussed so, yeah so 
Our story with this begins with a charity called the ADHD Foundation, um, or rather the chair of the ADHD Foundation. Um, the chair of the foundation is a neurodiversity campaigner. She's a GP with experience in psychiatry. She's a professor at a university, and she's a CEO of this company that's created the Do It Profiler, which you know, is what we're doing. So the company that she founded described itself as like a tech for good company that provides neurodiversity screening and web-based support tools for schools and adults in education and employment, right? Which sounds good to me. I'm like, On yeah, paper. Okay, so, yeah. Yeah, so you provide like a really cool diagnostic screening thing for businesses and schools and, and, and yeah, I don't hate any of that. But the problem with it is, is that at some point, uh, Humber and North Yorkshire NHS Trust decided that they would use this tool as a part of the pilot. Um, and so they've cited the reason why that they're doing this pilot is local pressures, local pressures. And um, a report from the local ICB there stated that they have already used 90% of the contracted value for five years, which means that they can... Not they can't keep up with the demand for ADHD assessments and medication management in particular. Um, and they're citing these as the reasons why this pilot ever went ahead. So why is autism in this as well? Because it's autism and ADHD. So there's no medication for autism, right? So they're saying the reason this is happening is because of ADHD. It's all of the TikToks. It's everyone coming in because of the TikToks, diagnosing themselves, putting pressure on the service. Um, and randomly autism is here too, but whatever, I guess we're just ignoring that, right? Um, okay. So we accept that the NHS is having these issues, um, totally, obviously, but there's issues um, and things to consider here. So firstly, the NHS is having problems everywhere. So what is there then, as you said earlier, do you allude to at least, what is there to stop the NHS from deciding they're going to adopt this pathway nationally? So considering that the profiler replaces diagnostic assessments in the vast majority of cases, because as you saw earlier, you didn't meet the criteria to yeah. meet the criteria to have an assessment. OK, so you're already gatekeeping it twice. It's, it's you didn't meet the criteria to do an ASRS. You know, that's what we're talking about here, right? A fundamental so, change to the entire framework, basically, isn't it? Basically. Um and even if the profiler says that you have ADHD, you still can't get medication because you weren't assessed by a psychiatrist. And then we get into like this hilarious situation whereby you're then forced into private. And then the NHS says to you, well, we're not going to do shared care because um, we basically don't believe in the diagnostic validity of private practice. You know, even if that private practice has been subcontracted out to us you have to go for an NHS assessment. So Schrodinger's ADHD, how are you able to get an assessment when you're not allowed an assessment, but you've got a diagnosis, but they won't recognise it? That's really interesting too, because you have a lot of people in the NHS that actually subcontract at some of these private uh, practices as well. So all the same people. Mildly ironic. Yeah. They're all the same people. They're the same people doing the, the, the same things, right? So, you know, that you will easily find a psychiatrist who does, um, you know, Monday through Friday, most of the time, you know, they work in their particular practice, uh, their particular trust doing a bunch of, like, you know, ADHD assessments. And then every now and then, maybe for some extra money or because they just like it, who knows, They'll also allocate some time to do some contracted right to choose assessments, which is 
how I got my autism diagnosed, right? Yeah. Um, and I guess probably I think my ADHD guy was also like they're all NHS anyway. So I they'll, think, they'll. I think my sorry to interrupt. I think the guy that sorry? diagnosed me was NHS, um, and then obviously assessed me privately. You can't you can't become a psychiatrist without working in the NHS. I'm pretty sure. Like, um, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure that like you have to work in a healthcare setting, and the one that you generally work in is the NHS. Like, it's the most. I'm, I'm certain it's connect. You know, it's the work experience side of it. I'm pretty sure you have to. Right. Have okay. Hours. You got to get skin in the game first, then. Yeah, that you have to do mandated hours of working as you know. When you become a psychologist and a, like a therapist, like you have to do so. Um, several thousand hours sometimes like working in a you know a setting and when you're doing clinical psychology it has to be the nhs basically because the nhs funds the clinical psychology phd so okay. when you're a clinical psychologist it has to be an nhs hospital for example that you're working in like a psych ward or something yeah therapists have more of like more leeway than where they can work but that's why you'll often see them working for charities like mind and stuff getting their hours in there mm-hmm Oh yeah, but generally speaking, doctors and you know people, psychiatrists and stuff, yeah, they go work in like a psych ward or a hospital, or a, okay, a community mental health team as an assistant, or like an IAPT service as an assistant. Yeah, to bring this kind of to the to matter at hand here, obviously we we've had discussions prior to our chat today uh, to discuss a group of people that are fighting tooth and nail really to stop this from getting any worse and to for it, well, to, for it to go away really. Um, shed a little bit more light on that, please. So, right, I've been trying to, you know, um, work out how I can properly talk about it. I know, I was like, thinking a way to introduce this too, and it's just, I think I just had to come out and just say it in such a weird scripted yeah. way. <laughs> so basically, the people who are currently opposing all of this like madness, frankly, is called the York Disability Rights Forum. I'm going to call them the YDRF going forward because that's easier to say. Sure. Yeah. Um, they're a disability rights advocacy group that promote like equal access to human rights for all disabled people, effectively. So you might have heard of some other like disability groups and like media, maybe like disabled people against the cuts or things like that. This is like a very localized Yorkshire one of them. They're about human rights and making the world better for people with disabilities. They were created and they're created and led by disabled people. They're a collective voice that raise awareness um, of issues affecting disabled people. And they um, they have like a, a neurodiversity wing, so to speak. And this is <laughs> these people who are our heroes in this story. So it's four people. Um, it's Kat, Carla, Hazel and Hilary. And they're very, very lovely. And they have additional people who act more like a, like a bit of an extended family, um, such as wonderful Kenny, who's been doing an awful lot of work trying to raise awareness of this issue um or like you know the lovely ladies at the adhd af podcast um they did like a live stream with them recently and stuff like that um and they have these people that will like you know lend their skills and time when needed or if they're able to do so but other than that they're just like four people really um then there's like some, some more people in like the wider organization but it's mainly four for this they're basically they're, I view them as being like, you know, a part of our community as much as we're a part of theirs, even if they are localised to Yorkshire. Um, because while they might be an advocacy group local to Yorkshire, I think that they've been um, working really hard on a national level, really, because they're trying to take on the Goliath that is the NHS in a fight to preserve 
right? It's life and liberty, really, um, for everybody who's neurodivergent. Like, it's people's ability to access their human right to be, you know, assessed for their health issues, whatever they may be. And that's be. the key word here, right? It's a right, isn't it? It's not a privilege. It's yeah. not, um, it shouldn't have to be laborious and difficult. Exactly. So I don't actually have any direct connection with the YDRF. Um, Yorkshire is really far, you know, it's really far away from where I live. Um, I'm not a member of their group or anything. But once I found their story, um, I realised that like what they're dealing with, it's not ordinary. Like I've seen, I mean, these as much as these things ever are, you know, I've seen protests against benefits and I've seen um, you know, like when 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 I mean that, I mean like the the, the assessments like uh, it can be really quite tra- traumatizing for people and stuff. You know, so I've seen things like that, and I've seen people talking about like the deaths that people have, you know, people have died, go, you know, have been found fit for work and all this sort of stuff. I've seen those sorts of stories, but I've never seen like the the NHS is trying to restrict assessments for ADHD and autism in order to reduce. The number of people being assessed no and i didn't either until you reached out to me yeah um so yeah basically that um okay they are the ones that have been fighting they've they've got a um a crowdfunding page set up they've very nearly reached their goal um so but they do still need a bit more help and like those are people on the sub have been really really lovely and they've donated money and i I want to tell you all, all of you who are joining us from the sub, that they are really, 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 really thankful for all of the support you have given them. It means the world to them. And I mean that genuinely. They are like, they basically, they couldn't do it without your support. And they found a lot of your messages to be really, really funny as well. Because you're (laughs) spicy, right? So I appreciate that. And um, so thank you. Um, Yeah, basically, uh, they just need a bit a bit more if you can if anybody does have a spare tenor like kicking about they, they could do with it because if they can't reach the goal which they're like a thousand something they were about a thousand last time i checked uh, and that was a few yeah. days ago yeah yeah so if they can't get that last bit of money then well the nhs continues to they've extended the pilot for another nine months it was only meant to last for three months that's they've frightening on its own, it. really. Yeah, they've they've already extended it for a, for another nine months, so it's going to be for a total of like a year, a Jesus. year of people not being allowed to have an ASRS screener, basically, not being allowed to, you know, find out and treat them their their problems. And like it's the thing is, is like we are at like we are a population who are at such an increased risk of like early death from all sorts of reasons. And it has really real important ramifications for all of us. It does. It's like it's more than just, you know, um self self-validation, self-worth, and these things that are very positive, but it is more than that in a way. It is some people won't make it if this is allowed to continue. And I don't know about you, but I don't want that to be the case, you know? No, and uh, it, I'm, I'm glad you kind of highlighted the importance there because I was just about to ask because, it, it, again, like you say, it goes just beyond the kind of the self-understanding, the self-acceptance side of it. You know, this this bleeds into mental health too. If people can't, again, you know, I've, we've touched upon this earlier in the conversation, um, people that suffer from, you know, depression and 
and a manner of different things. And then they reach diagnosis and it's a huge weight off their shoulders. Just just for mental health points alone, reaching that point of diagnosis can be one of the best things to happen to people with the right support uh, on aftercare, I suppose. Because again, it's not a one-trick pony. Um, yeah. But again, I think on on that scale, I mean, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but I can imagine people that are struggling and fighting themselves, the, the rate of suicide in that alone, I, I can imagine... It's- a lot it's like we are 15 percent more likely than um pretty much any other group yes i think i remember reading that one but imagine how imagine how that would increase if these people aren't reaching diagnosis out of the frustration of the fact that (laughs) they've been given this questionnaire and they're being told yeah you've got it you're screwed but well, you're on your like own. The worst part of my diagnosis, diagnosis journey was when I got diagnosed, but titration hadn't started yet. And I was in the void of, there's help out there for me, but I'm not allowed to have it. Why aren't I allowed to have it? Oh, because it's restricted and because people don't want to give it to me yet. And, it's and how isolating system. is that for a moment? I mean, that, that's got to be one of the most loneliest, most awful feelings, like to, to know that you need help and you know help out there exists but then you don't have access to that. I'm, go- I'm not going to lie to you. I nearly didn't make it. I nearly yeah. didn't make it through that phase. That phase destroyed me. That that part of the process is when I went so hard into creating and assisting with, like, you know, I didn't create, but, you know, I assisted with that, with the Reddit so hard during that time, trying to, like, pour that, myself into something. Just to highlight that for a moment. So this community that you've been building, this came out almost out of the ashes of such an awful situation. Is that fair to say? For me, um, it was like I finally had this like um, moment where I knew what was wrong, but I couldn't do anything about it. But I thought, well, one thing I can do is I can help anyone who we find um, at least get started. Because back in those days, it was trying to get people snuck in as fast as you could into right to choose before, like, because I, I would describe it to people in terms of the crushes. So I'd be like, there are crushes that are happening to like these services. So I, I got diagnosed during the second great crush. Okay. okay. And I'd be like, you are currently in the third great crush. And oh, wonderful. Later it would be like, you are in the fourth great crush. Now it's only crush, right? But there were these periods before the crushes where you could sneak people in really quick and you could like be like again 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 yeah so we just got so many people through as we as many as we could basically and these days it's like people we have to all accept that you know i mean even when i was seen it was still like a while but it was nowhere near as long as it is now and it was still too long even then right yeah so yeah we're just trying to get people like trying to get people through it and that's why it ended up being like i just pour myself into it yeah but i can the reason why i asked that question though because i think i've I've noticed this trend in a few different communities out there it seems like there's a lot of people like you and i who because again i think i can relate to you in this way i i built adhd adapted out of some you know some really tough times in my own personal life but yeah everybody in the mod team has had the same sorts of experiences that all of the users have which is why we don't like some places can sometimes get a bit like hierarchical where it's like um occasionally i mean it happens everywhere but like people can kind of hold themselves above other people 
And I think we have always, to the very best of our ability, always strive to never do that. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes, obviously, when people like, we'll get some trouble makers, right? And sometimes we have to deal with that in a way that's like, that you can't, you can't be saying these things to people and stuff. Like we have to, some, you know. But most of the time, it's like, I can be wrong. I tell people my experiences, you know, people tell me theirs. Like, it does, I don't feel like it's um, like an us and them kind of place. Um, and yeah. that's important. And that's why, as well, I feel so strongly about this whole, like, what the YDRF are doing, because they're kind of like, they they're they're fighting for people they don't even know they're fighting for and they'll never even meet or see or hear that exist you know and they're still doing that and so i've i've been trying to like try and let people also one i want to let people know that all this stuff is even happening because it is important like we we need we can't we're not going to be rescued by anyone is what i'm trying to say no one is coming to our cause like we do not have gandalf and the riders of rohan coming over the hill you know we we are that we need people like that and we need people out there representing us because like you rightly say if they don't do it who will yeah they they won't so like we have to look after each other and we have to support each other and we have to help each other in whatever way we're able and um that's all we really can do. So this is why I'm a massive, massive supporter of the YDRF because they are our kiff and kim. We are their kiff and kim. It's just how it is. So we've got to help each other um, because no charities come into our aid. You know, the ADHD, some of the, you know, apart from the ADHD adults, okay, that's, that they, they have said some, they're, they're doing some good stuff. But for the most part, like, I don't, where's mind? Where, where are they? Where are you at? Like, I don't see them. I don't see a lot of them. They're not, like, saying big public statements or standing up to the government and going, yo, guys, you need to stop with the stuff. No, it's not them doing it, is it? It's it's four people. And, like, it feels like it's a very delicate discussion at the moment in that regard, too, by the way. Um, I won't say who with, uh, out of my own protection, but uh, an employee I work with who represents a lot of people in the kind of the psychology and therapy side of things... Um, they did a piece based around sort of TikTok and self-diagnosis. And just by title, that just kind of feels like an attack on its own, really. And I'm seeing more yeah. of that in the wild than what I am on the other end of the spectrum, you know, talking out for us in, in good light, you know. And I I mean, this is coming from someone right, that, that probably needs to do more research on that anyway and, and spend more time in the media and, and really familiarise himself with that. But when I do see it, it nine out of ten times it's negative yeah and that's really difficult because that's what we're that's what we've got to stand up to like we're not the people you know who are who own all of the media outlets we don't own all of these things because we spent our entire lives being held back by a disability we didn't even know we had for a lot of for a lot of us so we're not in a lot of these and the people who are are so far away from our concerns and our worries that they're not really reacting to it um so yeah it's it's up to us really it's got to be um which is why if, if you do have something you can spare to help this the situation you'd be helping all of us if you help them because hopefully they'll they'll kick some ass and then we won't have to live in this weird dystopia whereby 
you know, I find myself looking at endless posts of people going, well, the, the, the profile that said I have ADHD, um, but my GP won't refer me. I am seeing more of that, not just on on AHD UK subreddit, but also on on just ADHD as well. The, the big one that's got millions of people on there. I'm seeing, uh, well, like you say, hundreds of thousands of these stories coming out, not just yeah. in the UK. Again, different matter, I guess, overseas, but in the United States too. It, that seems like it, as a global issue. Even you could argue it's becoming more prevalent. It's because we've become a discussion. That's what it is. It's because we're a discussion. We are up for debate. Who we are is up for debate. So that's Oh, it's why our turn it's, then. <laughs> it's our turn, yeah. We, yeah. We have, uh, we've reached that point. You never want to reach the point where you're up for debate because as soon as that happens, you are like, well... Under the magnifying glass, like, aren't you? It's not even... It's In a way, it's worse. You're, people can just say that you know outright say you are not worthy effectively we don't we don't like you we don't we're just gonna spend our time telling everyone why you're so awful because of some thing that they don't like you know so it we lose our effectively protected characteristics essentially our privileges you know if you want to go there to say like we're it's open season we we are we're prey now and so we we need to adapt and we need to bite them really hard and make sure they don't like it when they target us and that's what actually needs to happen they need to go actually don't mess with <clears throat> don't mess with the adhd they're basically a hornet's nest and it's like yeah we need to be a hornet's nest because if we're not they're going to keep on trying to hurt us and so it's really crap yeah no and, and, and it, historically uh, you know we can kind of attest to that, can't we? If people didn't stand up and fight, then where would they be today? Right? Exactly. Exactly. And just on that note, guys, for everyone's listening, um, if you haven't donated already, if you've got any spare change at all to help towards this cause, please do. This is incredibly important. Um, I know I've already done so myself. Um, any last words, Lab, really, before we close this off? Um, any last words? I would say... Take comfort in the fact that you're not alone. Um, there are always going to be people out there who do understand and who will support you. Um, support the wider community as well and know that they support you back. And if you ever need to, if you ever need to vent, like we are here, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter what, what's on your mind. Like there are people who care. And there are people who deeply, deeply care. And again, if you are here from the sub, I think you're all really lovely. Even the trolls, you're you're <laughs> lovely too. Like I seriously, really, really, really love all of the users and the members. And I am really lucky that I have been able to moderate and help so many people. And yeah, keep keep up the good posting and stuff. Like because you guys help people all the time as well. And I love it. So yeah, that'd be my final words. Thank you so much, Lab. And to close off, I mean, from my perspective, who's just perpetually online, if I didn't have that support network online, I don't know where I would be. Um, so for everyone that is out there helping people, posting their experiences, just know that that what you're doing is incredibly valuable for everybody. Um, thank you once again, Lab, for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for letting me come on today and talk about all sorts of stuff. It's, my, really it's my pleasure. Thank you very much.